Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. If you can help me with the Amplified Version, Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. We must understand this, and this is very important. Please pay attention. Jesus operated as 100% human and 100% God. Jesus operated as 100% human and 100% God. Now, one of the things you observe about Jesus is that he did not use miraculous supply all the times he needed money. And that's very important. That is very important. Jesus did not always ask Peter to take money from the, 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 the fish mouth. Neither did Jesus always multiply food. That means, please listen carefully to this, you are going to have miracles of provision in your ministry, but they are not going to be daily. So the day somebody will walk to your church and give you one million check, it will not happen every month. Miracles are God's intervention in the midst of emergency. But you have to have a system of finance. Are you following what I'm saying? So Jesus did not always have to have miraculous supply. So how was the ministry of Jesus funded? The, now Jesus had a money bag, Right? Now we realize that Jesus did not receive offerings. So how did Jesus get money for ministry? The answer is in Luke chapter 8. Verse 1. And afterwards, Jesus went on through towns and villages, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. So realize what Jesus was teaching. What was he teaching? The kingdom. And the 12 apostles were with him. So I want to explain this to people. Jesus had a ministry of 12 staff. And if they were not properly taken care of, Peter would have complained. You know, Peter does not hide. He says, he, he asks Jesus, and you know, we laugh at Peter a lot, but Peter is one of the most honest disciples Jesus had. He asked Jesus Christ a question. He says, We have left everything. What is what we have left? It, we were doing our work when you called us. We now have left. What will happen, Oga? He said, <laughs> You will get this, you will get this. You say, Peter says, Okay. You see, even though we laugh at that, you must ask God that question. That question, God must answer it to you. Don't say, I give myself away and you don't know how you are going to eat. You won't know when you will reverse that song. Go before God. Listen, listen. I mean, this is not a joke. Go before God and ask him, how do you want me to be taken care of? And have that assurance that nothing can shake it. Are you following? In that place, God can tell you, take a job. I will make sure you have a boss who can give you time for ministry. God can say, take up a business. And God can say, don't worry. I am your source. But faith begins with the spoken word of God. 
Let's look at verse 2. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. How many of you remember in the first session I said two things that release resources in ministry? The kingdom and what? Power. The message and the power. The women were being cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons have been expelled. So you can't underrate casting out of demons. You must send them out. Because sometimes your resources are locked in demon-possessed people. And until the demons come out, they'll never see the need to give. I'm not, I'm not saying you should go and now say you are a deliverance minister. Sometimes you can preach deliverance to the captive. Are you following what I'm saying? He said the enemy will do everything he can to stop resources from coming to you. That's why you must not take this message casual. You've got that sometimes even as a minister when you're in business, the enemy frustrates your business because he knows that business is going to give you peace to do ministry. You see, what the devil is against is against the message. What the enemy is against is against what? The message. Imagine if we have enough resources and we are doing this meeting in all the 36 states in this country every month. How much more liberation will bring? But that will require travels, that will require air ticket, that will require halls, that will require finance, that will require feeding. And you know, that can't travel and leave my mom and say, I'm doing the work of ministry and let her be hungry. Then you will come back and you will forget that God has called you. You know, if your wife is not properly taken care of, you will not do ministry well. I'll talk about that. We are going to be very practical. You can't be doing ministry and there's no food at home. There are things you must pay attention to. Your house rent. Your house rent. Know how much you are paying and when you are paying. And prepare to pay it. Then food at home. Basics. Basics. Very important. Because one of the things that releases prosperity is peace. So anything that troubles your peace, you must go after it. Okay? So he had 12 staff. I want you to observe this. He has 12 staff going with him. Verse 3. Go, go on this now. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa. Now, like what daddy was saying, Herod's household manager. And dad was teaching us this about kingdom influence. So one of the partners of Jesus was not necessarily a member. This woman, now, it wasn't demons that was expelled. Jesus impacted, in fact, uh, give me the message translation. Give me the message. Let me show you this woman. Is it the message that calls out the, the wife of the economic advisor? No, no. Which translation is that now? Okay, go back, go back to the Amplified. There's a, a particular translation that says that she was the wife of the economic advisor to Herod. No, verse 3. Go back to Amplified. But let's say Herod's household manager. Let's say the one who manages Herod's household. This is the wife. So sometimes your influence is going to even cut across. People are going to be impacted with your message. Listen carefully to what I'm saying now. Who are not members of your local church? That is why every minister in the 21st century, you must use the internet and social media to make your materials available. 
Because some of the people, I mean, but make sure they are good materials because you make something available and you just go out that is not, you have shut down your ministry. So it can either amplify or shut it down totally. The little provision you have, they will just put, they will just mess you up. So you must be sure of what you're preaching. But you have to make your materials out there. There's a, there's a, a guy who's, who submits to me for mentorship. He's in Zambia. And uh, he got a hold. I think it was the last Synergy Forum we did here. We did a live streaming on Timothy, on mentorship. He answered a lot of questions in his life. And he came to me and said, I feel I want to just submit to you for mentorship. And I feel the Lord is asking me to, to send my tithes to you and even the tithes of our local assembly. And a couple of months sent me $100, a couple of dollars. I mean, he's not in my church. But how did he get access to the message? The internet. That's why everything I put out there, I ensure is quality. If it's not quality, I won't put it out there. Because sometimes if people see your work and they don't see quality, they'll give you peanuts. Everything I put out there is quality. Why? You don't know how far it will go. Are you following what I'm saying? And Jada, the wife of Chusa, Herod's husband, manager, and Susanna, many others. So there were many people that were not listed who ministered to and provided for him and them out of their property and personal belongings. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 to 3 shows us how the ministry of Jesus was funded. How was he funded? Partnerships. One of the things you must learn to build as a minister is what? Partnerships. Go and study it. Because not everyone is going to give to you who sits in your local assembly. You must understand how to have partners in ministry. Not forcing them. Partners by impact. Who you have reached. Who the message have done what? Have blessed. So we understand that it wasn't like God was supernaturally supplying Jesus Christ money all the time. These guys were givers to him. This was the money that Judas was keeping. The money these people were giving. And it was from here Jesus was spending. On, in the day of the last supper, when Judas left, he said they thought he had asked him to buy something or to do what? Or give something to the poor. So Jesus was buying things in ministry. It's not every time they were losing court for him to ride on. It's not every time they were giving him upper room for free. Favors are going to come to you in ministry, but it's not going to be every time. It's not every time your landlord will say, don't pay. Sometimes you will pay. He will collect the money. So don't build ministry with the illusion that you would always have miraculous supplies. You have to use your brain. You have to be systematic. We're going to talk about that. Are, are miracles valid? Yes. Will they come? Yes. But before miracles come and after they come, we'll have a system. Why do we take offerings in church? For this reason, to give people an opportunity to give so the church can have an income. So the three ways you, you, your income for ministry comes is offerings, tithes, and partnerships. Offering, tithes, and partnerships. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Galatians 6, 6. Please, let me have that so that we can. Galatians 6, 6. Let him who receive instruction in the word of God Share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his support. This is one of the ways the Lord has ordained that ministers be supported. 
that those who now it says let him who receives instruction in the word like that said don't limit this to just your local assembly the person who is listening to your message somewhere in another country is doing what is receiving instruction from the word we are partners with a, with a ministry i've been a partner with the ministry for a very long time right now i'm not a member of that local church but i mean i get blessed by their by their material so what i i respond so you must understand that the response of people to you is based on how much of the word you give them that's why as a minister go and study so you can teach the days of coming on the pulpit and you say i see things turn around i see things turn around i see things turn around it will turn it will turn everybody stand up turn around that's a prophetic is it you see when you do that you only have children around you babes serious-minded people are looking for where to be taught so you must not go with a childish approach to ministry sometimes you will teach them for long they will not respond but the day they will respond it would have been a product of years of teaching are you following what i'm saying all right let's go to first timothy chapter 5 verse 18 first timothy 5 18 for the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox when it's treading out the grain and again the laborer is worthy of his hire please observe the word laborer and what does the word tell us to labor in to labor in what? Word and what? Doctrine. Go to verse 17. Verse 17. 1 Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders who perform the duties of their office well be considered double worthy of honor and of adequate support, especially those who labor faithfully in what? Preaching and teaching. The labor of the minister is clear not laboring in entertainment laboring in teaching you must develop your teaching skills praise god we've got uh one of our fathers here uh reverend john from benin i went to speak in 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 uh, in, in my cousin's church in benin he heard my my message and he says wow and he's been speaking to pastors about the message sharing them i mean sometimes he sends me the chat and i'm like wow i mean he's a far older man in ministry and now we're having this meeting here he came all the way from benin now i mean honestly there's nothing that will stop someone like him if he's got resource to just say listen you've been of a blessing to my life take this car i don't know if you understand what i'm saying that's the way ministry is so i don't have him making the sacrifice and all of you making the sacrifice to come here is because you know you're going to learn something so what should be my responsibility in ministry to go back and study more if your people are fed the grace of god will arouse in them a desire to do what to be of a blessing so you have to study praise god you have to study those who labor faithfully in preaching and teaching can a minister work or must every minister work i want to answer that question 
Acts chapter 20 verse 34. Acts 20 34. Acts 20 34. You yourself know personally that these hands minister to my own needs and those of the persons who were with me. Let's look at verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver, gold, gold, or apparel. A minister must never covet what his members have. I'll, I'll resound that again. A minister must never covet what his members have. There's something my dad taught me many years ago. I mean, he didn't teach me directly, but I learned it by observation, and it has helped me. The fact that your member has a car does not mean it's your car. Don't just carry a phone and say, where are you now? Hey, come and pick me in church. No, no, no. I mean, you have ministers like that. How can your pastor be trekking and you are driving? Why, why will you not trek? No, no, I mean, why will you not trek? He's having a car has no connection with your trekking. Maybe the guy is working in the bank. He deserves it. He has worked for his car. You work for yours. Now, I'm not saying they should not honor you, but it's not a right. I remember one day our car broke down and, uh, and, and we got into Keke to church. My, I mean, if you've been in my church, I, we've got a lot of guys with cars, like 20, 22 cars in my church. I, I was like, oh, Pastor, you could have called us to come and pick you. I'm like, are you serious? It won't change what I'm going to teach you today. In fact, when I finished, one of the members came and like, okay, see, we have two cars. Take this one and drive. The car he was giving me was, uh, I think it's a Range Rover Sports, right? Maybe it's a Range Rover, it's a bigger car. So I held the key and wisdom spoke to me. Wisdom. Wisdom spoke to me that this, these are the kind of gift you collect on your way. A wheelbarrow will just hit. Do you understand? You just know that the devil is after your life. Wait, you have been driving your car for 10 years, no scratch. This is the day. You now realize that what broke is 150,000. So I told him, I said, I, I, I appreciate the honor. I thank God that you people love us. But don't worry. Are you understand? You now go and enter Range Rover Sports. And maybe somebody who has been bring, planning to bring 20,000 to you now say, ah, as this man of God is in that car now, this money will not do anything for him now. Ah, let me wait till the money is much not knowing that it was borrowed and you need 20,000 to feed don't give an impression to people that you have when you don't if it is a bike you have as a pastor, ride the bike to the church and pack it amongst other people's car at my age no, you don't have any age if you don't have it, you don't have it your age has nothing to do with what you drive do you have a car? no fine, enter bus the bus driver who is driving you can be older than you. If the man can drive the bus, you can enter. I mean, no pressure. Because one of the things that stops financial flow is pressure. Listen carefully to me. Pride will stop supernatural supplies. Pride. Paul says, though poor, yet making many rich. He was not, he was not making a statement of faith. He says, listen, we don't have as you have. But we're giving you eternal riches. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Are you following what I'm saying? And I, let's go quickly. 
It says, yes, yourself, verse, verse 34, yes, yourself known that these hands are provided for my necessities and for those who were with me, verse 35, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of our Lord Jesus that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. For while we were with you, yes, we gave you this rule and charge. If anyone will not work, neither let him do what? It. Now, we see Apostle Paul, and I, 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 listen, I want you to listen to me carefully because we have this going on everywhere where people are saying, you know, Apostle Paul walked, you know, so that the ministry will not be blamed. Ministers should go and walk. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, read it. Verse 1, and we are going to stop. Uh, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We are going to stop at verse... Uh, it's a long reading, but I can't. But let's stop at verse 11. It's very long, but let's read quickly. We're just going to read. We're pastors. We know this. Am I not an apostle, a special messenger? Am I not free or restrained and exempt from any obligation? Have I not seen our Lord Jesus? Are you yourself not the product and proof of my workmanship in the Lord, the people he's ministered to? This is very important. The proof of ministry is people, not just buildings not travels the proof of ministry is what people he says are you not the proof of my apostleship who have you raised who have you impacted who have you touched who have you built up that's the proof of your ministry go to verse 2 even if i'm not considered an apostle especially messengers by others at least i am one to you for you are the seal the certificate the living evidence of my apostleship in the lord confirming and authenticating it results in ministry is people that are built up People that are built up. This is the proof of ministry. Verse 3. This is my real ground of defense. My vindication of myself to those who would put me on trial and cross-examine me. <laughs> Verse 4. <laughs> Have we not the right to our food and drink at the expense of the churches? So Paul was not working because he had to. He was working because the churches refused to minister to him. Let me explain this to you. You can be a very good minister and people don't minister to you. Not because it's your fault, but it's because they have not recognized what they should do. Paul was not forced. Lack of resources doesn't mean God hasn't sent you. Sometimes it means the wickedness of those you are ministering to. No, look at Paul speaking here. He says, don't we have right to our own food at the expense of the churches? So when people throw up Paul, I don't know why they don't throw up this scripture. Even Paul said it in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. He says, none of the churches communicated to me except in giving and receiving, except you. He said, because we cannot force our rights on people, but we should also know what is our rights. So if you choose to work so as not to place a burden on the church, it doesn't mean that is the normal pattern of scripture. The normal pattern of scripture is that those you minister to should do what? Should communicate back to you. That's, listen, 
Paul is not our example. Jesus is. And how did Jesus live? He had people ministering to him. Jesus did carpentry work for over 30 years. But when he stepped into ministry, he couldn't do carpentry work and travel the way he was traveling. It was impossible. I'm going to preach in, uh, in, in Niger State, in Suleja, on next month. Right? And the pastor met me and said, oh, I've been following you a long time. Can you please come and train my leaders in Mina? I'm going to send a car to pick you. Come to Mina. Another pastor said, oh, please give me two days. And I said, okay, it's fine. If I was walking, I can't say it's fine. You just call your guy. Uh, say, sir, uh, I don't know. Can I extend my leave? Please, I would like to see you in the office on Monday. Say, yes, sir. I can't, you can't say people want you to be a blessing. You won't go. Even if you have your own business, you have trucks supplying gravel. You can be on your way to me. I just go, ah, they have stolen the truck. Oh. You won't preach anything again. Because you are preaching, you are sending texts. Is the truck? Are they, have they returned? They say no. Okay, go and meet police. You need to stay with Pastor Kevin. Where are you doing Pastor Kevin, where are you people? We say, which police station? Okay. Uh, that, okay. I mean, you can't. You think it's even people who are doing business, they are suffering. It's not easy. Not to talk of you doing business and doing ministry. It's not easy. Don't make it sound like it's, 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 um, it's pancake. I can just do ministry. No. If God has blessed you with a good job, don't rub that on people's faces. If God has blessed you with a good job, don't rub it on people's faces. Don't make it look like we are lazy. We're not. This thing is a constraint of purpose. It's not easy to work. Even those who are working, they don't have enough. Not to talk of you who are working, you're working and you're doing ministry. Well, let me not get into that. Have we not a right, understand the word right, to our food and drink at the church expenses? You have a local church who can pay your rent. My dad has been in ministry for years and still have to pay his rent. That can't be God's will. Are you following? That can be the will of God. I, I don't know if you, if you get what I'm saying. At the expense of the church. Look at the next verse. We're going to read quickly. Or is it only... No, verse what now? Five. Have we not the right also to take along with us a Christian sister as a wife? Paul, this is, this is your own case. doesn't concern us. As the other apostles and the lost brother, if you don't want to marry, that's between you and your Just Let's just stay on the money issue. If you don't want to take a five Christian sister, that's your own, like some of you. You have a right to also take, but if you choose not to also not take, that's your own. Verse 6, you should take one, I think so. Verse 6, or is it, listen, listen to this verse, please, write this verse down. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from doing manual labor for a livelihood in order to go about the work of the ministry? Paul had to maintain to have money to preach. My brother, have you ever set up canopy before? Maintain was not forex trade, you know. Paul was not sitting behind laptop. He was building tents. He says manual labor so we can have something to preach. Sometimes people don't know the things pastors have to do so that you can be able to preach. My own parents, when things were tough, early days, we planted the church in the day, we sold firewood. 
My parents sold firewood. Myself and my younger brother, we hawked Akamu, Pap, Ogi, whatever you want to call it. You can't see the man driving this car today and think, oh, look at the car, the man of God is driving, why poor people are suffering. When we were hawking, where were you? When we were selling firewood, where were you? How dare you judge people's increase when they have gone manually for the sake of the gospel? Do you know how much of the things that should have come to me as a child went to other, other people's children just because they are members of the church? Sometimes people don't know what we have to forego so we can do this work. And you, it should be clear. You should know your right. Even though we don't push this on people's face, that is where you go before the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, you know I have a right. And if these guys are not meeting that right, it's up to you. Sort it out. So Paul was not doing this because that was God's perfect will. Do we agree? He was doing it because the people did not respond to the word. This is, Paul was not making a joyful statement here. It's almost like out of anger. Am I not your pastor? <laughs> Even if I'm not a pastor to everybody, I'm a pastor to you. What, what nonsense are you talking about? <laughs> you understand? Don't have a right to marry. Maybe the guy didn't have money for traditional marriage. Maybe it was an Igbo girl Paul wanted to marry. When he looked at the list that the GKM brought, he's like, uh, yeah, come marry your daughter. <laughs> Let's go marry someone else. <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? You pastor a local church, the water you drink is from your pocket. Your light bee is from your pocket. Your fuel is from your pocket. Paul says, can't we have even water to drink at your expense? Look at verse, verse 11. Verse, sorry, sorry, verse 7. Consider this. What soldier at any time serves at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat any of the fruit of it? Who tends a flock and does not partake of the milk of the flock? If you say this in the 21st century, they'll say, ah, there is an armed robber. Look at Paul, verse 8. Do I say this only on human authority or as a man reasons? Does not the law endorse this same principle? Verse 9, dad read this. For in the law of Moses it is written, you shall not muzzle an ox when it's treading out the corn. Is it only for oxen that God cares? How can God care about animals and not care about the man he has sent? Look at this verse. Verse 10. Or does he speak certainly and entirely for our sakes? As shortly it is written for our sake. Because the plowman ought to plow in hope. What is the hope? Let me keep teaching this, my people. One day, they are going to grow up. One day, they'll be able to pick the bills. One day, they'll be able to support. Let me just keep teaching. You plow in hope. And the treasure ought to treasure in expectation of partaking of the harvest. There's expectation. It's not a wrong expectation. It's not a wrong expectation. You know how many times your pastor has stood up at the night to pray for you and saved you? How many times you call us at night when things are tough? We pray in hope that one day things will be better for you. And unfortunately, when things get better, you get offended and you leave. And that's why pastors are bitter. And they have said, if this is the way you people are going to behave, we too, we have our own skill. 
before we pray for you, pay something. Because yeah. the last person I paid, prayed for, the man is a contractor now. So put 50,000 down first before we, before we see God for you. I mean, you know, that pastor is wicked. Yeah. But I ask you, when last? Alright? When last, even as a church, did you minister to, the, to your spiritual father? To the man who ministered to you? Okay? Let's read verse 11. We have a lot to do. If we have sown the seed of spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap from your material benefits? Let's go to verse 12. If others share in this rightful claim upon you, do not we have still a better and greater claim? However... We have never exercised this right. Look at this. But we endure everything rather than put a hindrance in the way of the spread of the good news. This is why Paul walked. This reason here is why Paul walked. That instead of me to come and look beggarly and peddle the word of God for money, I'd rather go and do manual labor so that I will not hinder the gospel. But look at what Paul says. He says we endure these things. Not we enjoy it. He says we enjoy it. Give me the message translation. Give me the message translation. Verse 12. Others demand plenty from you in these ways. Don't we have, don't we who have never demanded deserve even more? But we are not going to start demanding now what we have always had a perfect right to observe that word perfect right to our decision all along has been to put up with anything rather than get in the way or distract the message of christ the reason paul walked is this he didn't want to put a stumbling block that is not to say every minister should go and walk we must be clear on this because I see that debate going on all over and it's a one-sided debate. It's on a one-sided debate. And I'm going to balance that up also. And let me just say this quickly in case I forget. As a minister of God, don't be boasting to the people God is using to bless you. Don't come to church and make people feel like you have everything in the world when it is their contributions that is blessing you. Are you following what I'm saying? You don't need to boast of your material way to those you teach. Teach the gospel and live a simple life. Don't come and say, you know this is my wristwatch? I bought it in Spain. It's unnecessary. Because sometimes that is the fight back people are fighting back because pastors are more consigned now or showing off your wealth. The message must be louder. You must not get in front of the message. Is that okay? All right. So I think we can stop there. But go home and read the whole chapter, okay? There's still a lot of things, but if we read that, it's going to take a lot of our time. Um, how do we receive offerings in church? How do we receive offerings in church? 
Exodus 25. Exodus 25. Please go home and study the whole of that chapter. Exodus 25. And let me tell you this, please. It might get, it might offend some people, but go back home and teach your people this scripture. Let them be aware. You have a responsibility of teaching them the whole truth. I've started it every once a year. I do a series on giving and I clearly explain what my rights are from scriptures. I clearly, this is you have a duty. If you choose to do it, it's fine, but I have to teach you. You see, we must declare to people the whole counsel of God. But this does not mean you teach it every Sunday. It has become covetousness. You let the people know. If you, if you buy that my book for your church, it's very clear there. What the rights because it is for their own good it's an obedience of scripture okay how do we receive offerings Ex exodus 25 and verse 1 then the lord said to moses speak to the children of israel that they bring me an offering from every man who gives it willingly and ungrudgingly with his heart you shall take my offering let the people know they are giving to god speak to them to bring this offering and then this is the offering you shall take from them gold silver and then he listed everything i want to say this quickly don't train your church as if they can only give money train them to give anything that god lays in their heart i remember like daddy was saying most of the doors in the church we had uh, one of our pastors who gave it to the church but, uh, uh, the Lord did not just say collect gold and silver No, he said collect gold, silver, bronze, anything Open it, there's something my dad used to do in, in the early days Which when we have our time of giving We list out everything the church needs We give it to people Because let me explain why that is very good I think I, I need to, I, if I rush this I'll miss it. Let me just take it slowly Wherever we stop is fine What is it that your church needs? List them out Now let me explain why that works and why it is good Right? For instance, this man here might know somebody who sells paint. Who is his friend? And he can take the paint on credit. I'm just saying now. He might not have the money, but he can take the paint and say, oh, I'll pay you in two months' time. And his friend will give him. Right? And the church needs paint. But we can say we need 6,000. And paint is 6,000. He might not have the 6,000. Do you get? But if we say we need paint... And the cost is 6000 You understand? We have given you an option of you can either bring the paint or do what? Or bring the money for the paint. So always let your people know, especially when it has to do with infrastructures in church, what exactly do you need? Are you buying toilet seats? Are you buying chairs? Are you buying air conditioning? Be clear. Don't just say we need... Uh, 600,000 for some things some things is not anything it, you are, it's not a cult do you understand we need microphones we need this just print it out give the price put it there and let people know if you want to buy what you can just do is appoint someone for quality control all right at least if you want to buy anything let this person know let's be able to know that it's a good thing you're bringing if you bring the microphone is it not mic you want or you do you want money you want to take something from the money if it is mic you want what problem do you have Come on. The way you are keeping quiet, I'm even suspecting. The way you are just keeping quiet, like, is it not microphone you want? Hey, 
I said, you two, something is not right. Uh -huh. The way you are just giving quiet, so that when they bring sisters or you buy mic or four five, they ask, as pastor in charge, you keep the change. That's the problem. Just be honest with people. Do you understand? If you need people to give to you, tell them, this offering we are giving is my own. And I like what Prophet Kobus used to do. He would put an offering basket there. Say, this one is for church. This one is my own. I mean, it's straight up. He said, be honest. Even if you want to collect money from people, tell them the truth. Just say, listen, this Sunday, you people are giving to me. Do you understand? <laughs> I mean, do you, do you understand? I said, I'm receiving this by right. You people don't want to give today. I want to collect by <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> okay. Um, so he, he told them, and, and, and says, verse 8, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in. Please explain to people the purpose of the offering. He says, whatever we are collecting, verse 8, we are going to use it to build a sanctuary that God will dwell in. Are you understanding? Explain what? The purpose of the offering to the people. Uh, and he, he gave them all of that and all of that and all of that and all of that and told them the description. Now, what the Bible says that I like, it says, then they went home and the people whose heart got stayed. That means it's not everybody in your church that will give. Allow people to think over their offerings. Don't just say there's an anointing now. The anointing is hot. It's hot. It's hot. Tap into it now. Tap it. It's greed. See, eh? let me explain something to you. Mature givers don't give emotionally. If I go to a church and you do that, I won't give. Because what mature givers do is they go back home. They think over the project. That's the time God keeps working on them. All those put it here. Put it on my leg. Put it, you are just hungry. And serious people will not even give you that much cash on your feet. They will do transfers. Give people time to think. You are not leading animals. We have a project. This is what we want to do. This is the purpose. This is how far we require. This is the number of time. Please think about it and pray. That is where you now go and use your faith. You too, you go home and start praying. Lord, touch their hearts. <laughs> Father, stir them. That's when you now use your faith. What are you using your faith to do? You're using your faith to believe God to speak to them. Do you understand that? Okay, so you tell them the purpose of the offering. Then I just want to say this. Points to note when you receive an offering. Number one, do not promise any special blessing. Don't promise any special blessing. Don't tell people when you give this offering in three months, your life will turn around. I, let me put a clause there. Except the Lord has said. But listen, some things that even the Lord has said, let it be between you. Just tell people to give. Don't promise any special blessing. Number two, present, present it in such a way that people can go home and think about it and give. Then believe God for the needs to be met. Stand in faith for the funds to be received. Then, I just want to go into some very practical things. I really want to finish this. I want to go into some very practical things. Number one, have a financial team that has integrity. Write 2 Chronicles 22.7. You can put that up for me. 2 Chronicles 22.7. Sorry, 2 Kings chapter 22 verse 7. 2 Kings 22 verse 7. 
However, there was no accounting required of them for the money delivered into their hands because they dealt faithfully. Have a faithful person in charge of your finances. You are not Jesus Christ. Don't put Judas in charge of the money bag. Check for faithfulness. Are you understanding what I'm saying? 2 Kings 12, 15. 2 Kings 12, verse 15. 2 Kings 12, 15. Moreover, they did not require an accounting from the men into whose hands they delivered the money to be paid to the workmen for they dealt faithfully. Please always choose, choose faithful people for your finance. It's very, very important. The Bible contains more than 2,000 verses about money. 50% of Jesus' teaching was on the topic of money. Five-year study that led up to 2013. Well, it, now we're going into the practical stuff now. 10 to 25% of the families in churches are the ones that give. 10 to 25% of the families in churches are the ones that give regularly. If you have a church of 100 members, your consistent givers will be about 15. That's the reality. This is research. Now, we, we're, we're living in the place of financial supplies now. Do you understand? We're living in the realm of faith now. We're going into the practice of it now. So if you have a church of 70 people, only about 7 to 10 people will give consistently and regularly. So the first thing you do for your church finance, for going to personal finance, have what you call strategic planning. As a church, what's your strategic plan? For me, as a, as a minister, one of the things that I look into very early in church is a property, landed property. That can be your overall goal. What's your strategic plan? Number two, what is your realistic revenue projections? Realistic revenue projections. So, what I have done in my own life, I have examined our church over three years. I can tell you the months people give more. So let me use my local church for example. People give more. Our giving increases February, March, April. That's where we have the bulk of some. Now let me explain something to you. Except a miracle happens, our highest income in church is these three months. February, March, and April. And the reason I've studied it now, the reason people give February, March, and April is sometimes by December, after people have spent a lot in December, like January, they make a commitment. It's like part of their New Year goal is to give more to God. You know, everybody sets all of those goals. And then they are a bit relaxed. And then, they, you know, happy. God's taking them to the New Year. They are just happy. So whatever I receive February, March, April, I know that's going to be the highest we'll get throughout the year. So I always build my capital project to enter into February, March, and April. Because at that time, people are willing to respond. So if I have a building project, I usually start all my building projects around that period. <laughs> Hope my church members don't get this message. <laughs> then I realize I'm giving drops around June, July, August. Because they are preparing for vacation. And long-term holidays. Children are going to be at home. So the things people will buy, home lesson and all of that, takes in. Then around September, new school term starts. So between June to September, our income drops. Then it picks up again November, just a bit. Then it drops in December because people are preparing for Christmas. Then it picks up February, March, and April. I know how much comes to us in a month, minimum. 
how much comes to us in a year. So I have an idea of our annual income. So all our budgets are within. Now, this is minus miracles. Oh. Do you understand? You say, ah, this pastor doesn't have faith. You don't know what I'm talking about. God gave you, he said, we who wants to build a tower must first do what? Sit down. It is Jesus Christ that said that. The same God who said you shall have what you say is the same God who said you should sit down. So you obey both scripture. While you are confessing, you also sit down. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, you are confessing, you are sitting down. You are confessing, you are sitting down. So I have these projections. So um, we now have a strategic plan as a church. What we want to... So our church in three years, our strategic plan is infrastructure development. By 2019, December, our church facility will be completed. So we finished our church facility. We are building the parsonage now. By December, we should finish the compound. So our goal is that the first three years of our church will focus on infrastructure. What that means is we reduce the number of programs. I don't do a program that is more than 100,000, bringing in the guest speaker and everything. I won't do it. Why? Because the cap for my programs is 100,000. By upper year, we can lift that cap because we have finished our infrastructural project. You must not do anniversary. It's not a commandment of scripture. And you can shift your anniversary. You are the one that fixed the date. You can unfix it. You, you must not do church program. In the early days of my church, I only brought people who were my friends, who could preach for me, to, for me for free, and who could stay in my house. If you can't stay in my house, that you must stay in a five-star hotel, we will get to you, but not now. We are still building. Do you understand? You can't be doing anniversary every year. It's not a must. God will not punish you if you don't do it. Let your people know this year we are not doing anniversary. We are using the money to buy sound system and God will not be angry. The 150,000 you are using to, to do anniversary, take it to the market and buy good sound so that your people can hear what you are saying so they can give. It's not, you must not do programs. So you do your strategic planning. You do your budget. You do your realistic revenue projection, how much comes in. Then you do your budgeting based on that. Then you have oversight and accountability. How's the money going to manage? Communication, communication, communication. This is big, communication. Learn to tell people thank you when they give. Even though it's your right, be grateful. Don't let people give and you're always making them feel like they're not giving enough. Don't come to church and say, I'm beginning to watch you people. The way you give, God will open a hole in your pocket. No, you're ungrateful. My pastor is here. Sometimes I come on church, I come to receive the offering. And I say, hey guys, I just want to thank you for your generosity. This is one of the most generous church I know. There's nobody who will not act better if you don't praise them. Don't be an ungrateful pastor. I know some of you are building houses, but the house of God is suffering. I know some of you are buying cars. But we don't have good speaker. God is watching. I said, God, you know, the people just tell you that, oh God, <laughs> this speaker matter. We are not buying, no. Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it's not their fault that your speaker is not good. Do, do you understand? Don't, don't carry anger and rebuke even the good ones that are making. Sometimes, even if you know what your members are going through, just as you have challenges, they have challenges. Encourage them, prop them up, give them a vision. Uh, 
Be prepared for financial emergency. Every church should have a savings account. Please try to have a savings account. Try to save. Now, I just want to say this, especially for young pastors. Make sure the first thing you do is to register your church. Be, be legal in operations. All these ones who are just opening churches without registration is not good. First of all, have the legal right. Then secondly, open a church account. We, we're planting a new church in Port Harcourt, and one of the family that's joining us said, oh, we want to give. We want to give to the church. I said, no, hold it. Don't give yet. I'm in the process of opening the church account, specifically for the Potaka church. Why am I not in a hurry to collect that money? Listen, when you open an account like that, it shows that you know what you're doing. It shows accountability. It shows maturity. Have a ministry account. Somebody's calling you for ministry account. You're sending them their, your personal account. Uh, we are not registered. That should be the first thing. Are you following what I'm saying? Stop all your programs this year and go and obtain CAC certificate. One decree from government will close down the work you are doing. Government can just wake up and say, if you're not registered, shut down. Oh, they are persecuting us. No, they are persecuting your foolishness. You don't have a right to operate if you're not legal. All the money you are using for programs would have done your registration. CAC registration is about 120,000, maybe 130,000. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, if you're expecting big harvest, prepare for it. Are you understanding that? All right. Now, there's a reason I said that. I just want to say this before I move into personal finance. It has been observed that this generation gives more through transfers than cash. So let me give you an example. As a person, I don't carry cash. I mean, I don't. All my banking platforms are on my phone. So when I go to churches where they only receive offering by buckets, I hardly give. <laughs> I hardly give. I mean, I had that problem when I was preaching for you. I, I didn't carry money. Do you understand? Even when you go and buy things right now in the shop, people tell you what? You can transfer. Am I right? So I hardly carry cash. So you must envisage that. The younger generation, the way I, it's taking me like close to one year, I'm training my church now. We are really de-emphasizing cash and more of transfer. Even sometimes I'll be around, I'll just get an alert, 500 naira, 300 naira. And I'm happy about that. Do you know why? That guy who transferred 500, if he was to give in church, he will not give 500. So right now, even the, the small kids who don't have money in our church have picked it up. I've encouraged my church guys, tight through transfer. All those traditions of all the titers, come, come to the front. Raise your tight card. You see, no serious person will do that. I'm, I'm, I'm honest with you. Are you following what I'm saying? You know why some people don't tight? It's very simple. By the time the money comes, and they are waiting on Sunday to pick tight card and bring the money, the money is gone. So when you train them to transfer, immediately they receive it. What happened? They just transfer to the church account. So as uh, in my local church, for example, we receive offerings almost every day. Because people just, you understand, people just give. Some of you just see 2,000, 2,500, All through the week, the young guys are just, some of the bus conductors, as they get their 2,000 for that day, they just transfer 200. So that 200 will not make it to church. You are in the 21st century. Grow up. For some of you, say, you say people should dance to the front. <laughs> Train your people. Ah, they won't do it here. No, you haven't trained them. 
And the fear of losing the small change in the bucket is keeping you from bigger harvest. Are you following what I'm saying? Train your people. See, train them not to be event givers. Not just giving on Sunday and Wednesday. Train them to be givers by nature. Sometimes I'll just see the alert. Ah, somebody just paid in 4,000. Somebody just paid in 5,000. Somebody just paid in 6,000. It's like that. It's fine. That's how people. So try to go electronic in your giving. Have a bank account. Put it up every time. Encourage people. Write it down. Give anytime. You can transfer. Just make it. Encourage them. Uh, eight reasons why people don't give. Number one, they don't have a home church. Like Daddy was saying, marketplace people who don't go to any church. So they don't give. Eight reasons people don't give. They don't have a home church. Now, please listen carefully to me, pastors, please. These eight reasons I'm giving you are researched reasons. Okay? So what you need to do is to check any of these reasons that you think you can work against. Like you can, this is the reason people don't give. But if we do this, people can now give, then you work on it. So number one, they don't have a home church. There's really nothing you can do about that one. Number two, they don't understand the concept of giving. Most people just grow up giving. Most people grow up giving change as offerings. Because when they were going to church, what happened? Their mother just looked for change. And so they didn't grow up with the culture that offerings are important. So you have to teach them. That's why that my little book is good. Teach them. Number two, there is, they are not committed to the mission and the vision of the church. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. So if a man is not committed to the church, he can be coming to the church but will not give. So you can have 100 members, but in real sense, only 30 people are committed to what? To the vision. So what do you do? You have to teach your vision. You have to sell your vision to them. What God is asking you to do. Do you know the, the people we, we talked about, the women, right? If they did not believe Jesus should be traveling about preaching the gospel of the kingdom, would they give to Jesus? They say, oh, God, stay one place now. Are you in Jerusalem? I be you are in Campania. Where is your base? You know? Hey, all the money we give you, you are just traveling around town. You know, if people don't understand your purpose, they'll think traveling is a luxury. They give you money now. You say he has gone to Kenya. When he's coming by, you say people were blessed. Can we not use that money to buy AC? You know, they will not give. So people need to understand. I have to tell my church, listen, traveling is part of my call. It's in the call. Just as I'm feeding you, there are other sheep that God wants me to feed. And you've got to be part of that. So you need to teach your people. Okay? If they don't believe in the mission. Number four, bad church experience. Maybe some have given to church when the pastor said we are buying generator for 10 years. Generator they did not see. Light they did not see. When you now come to church, God forgive you. The day they come to your church, you just say we are believing God for generator. You say see them, see them, see them, see them. You just pitch the wife. You remember that last generator where we give? We don't see them. So for such people, you have to prove your integrity. And let me tell you this, please. If church people give money for something, if it is not enough, come back and say, listen, the, the flower we wanted to buy is 10,000. What we got is 7,000. We'll keep the 7,000 until it is complete. Don't just change it to now say, well, we have not bought dispenser. That's not what you collected the money for. Listen, that's why if you look at big ministries, go to Kennecopland Ministries and some of those ministries and read their website on their giving side, they would say this, that if the funds for this project is beyond and above, it will be used for other ministry projects. You have to put it there. 
You have to put it there. If we're doing something, let's go for it. Like in my, in my ministry, for instance, I have separate accounts. I have three accounts, sub-accounts. If you have an account in, any ch- in, a, in a bank, you can ask them to open two different accounts for you. So I have an account for projects. All our building savings and capital projects, people give to that account. I'm not a signatory to that account. It's, it's managed by my building team. So people already know that I don't have access to that money. You know what I discovered? People even give a bit more. Because they know that they are the ones that are managing it. So project, if we are doing any major project, goes there. we have one for welfare. Then we have one for feeding. We have a feeding program that targets the community, like Daddy was saying. We have a feeding project where we feed older people in the community. So sometimes people don't give, they don't want to give to the main church. They want to give to feeding. They give to feeding. So it's good to clarify this. You know, train your people to clarify this and, and all of that. Uh, bad church experience. Number five, reason people don't give, some don't agree with how finances are managed. That is why you should come out and be plain. Let your finance not be mysterious. That's something I learned from my dad from day one. Let people manage the finance. Let people know how money is being used. For instance, in my local church, people know I don't set my own allowance. It's the board that set my allowance. Okay, let people just know. Let it be a level of transparency in the church finances, at least for the matured ones. Number six, people are unemployed, so they don't have resource. Number seven, people support other ministries. Listen, let us be honest. This is the 21st century. People listen to a lot of preachers. Don't deceive yourself that you are the only one they are listening to. So what, sometimes why your own finance is dropping is that they are sowing to other churches. They are sowing to other pastors. You understand? <laughs> so... That's the thing. The funds are split now. It's not like in those days where people don't have access to other ministries and other ministries have online accounts and everything. So sometimes they are, that's why you should also make sure you are blessing your people because they can be coming to your church physically, but the real person who they listen to is on their phone. Their resources will go who they listen to. You say, I have 100 members. In reality, you might have only five. But that's not, it's not right. You should be committed to your local church. I remember one time one guy, I used to invite him to church all the time. He tell me that, ah, no, that he's following the live streaming of his church. He's following the live streaming of his church. Just follow live streaming. One day he called me and said, eh, Pastor, there's an emergency. So said, what's the problem? That he needed me to come and pray for something, something, something. So I told him, I said, what, you, what will happen now is that you will go online. <laughs> you will go online. You will log on to that live streaming. You will now send a message. That it, I, no, I didn't go. I didn't go. I didn't go. If everybody was doing live streaming, will I be there? No, I didn't go. I didn't go. And I, if God is offended, God has forgiven me. It's a long time. If he's offended, that's his problem. You are doing live streaming and people are coming to listen to me every morning. Then I, I will now be the one. You have a live streaming pastor. I will be the one handling emergency. Why you are doing live streaming pastor? I'm not part of that arrangement. You go online, log on, and tell them that you have an emergency. I don't... Can say what you want. That's not my business. The last reason why other people, why people don't support, is that they think others will do it. So everybody in church assumes that everybody's giving. Do you understand? They just assume that ah ah those guys will get car, hmm, see money. You know people can just calculate how much of your offering. Ah, all these people seven, I mean, maybe like fifty. No, just make a sixty. <laughs> and they don't know. You understand? So you need to teach your people that, listen, you don't need to think about what other people are giving. 
You do your own giving. Be, be explicit about that. Five minutes more and I'm done. Your personal finance. Number one, learn basic accounting. Unfortunately, as a pastor, you might have to go and learn about finances from secular people. Last two years, last year, I, I perceived that I wasn't managing my finances properly. And, I'm, I'm, and I do well with finance. And you know what I did? December of that year, I took an investment course. It was 20,000, three days on WhatsApp. I saw it on Facebook. I took an investment course. I bought six books on finances, not uh, Kenneth Hagin. I bought real financial book that talked about asset, liabilities, income. I sat down the whole of December last year, I think. Yeah, last year. The whole of December last year, I read financial books to put my house in order to learn about investment. And I did my first investment in, I did my first investment in January. It was a six-month investment. And by about June or July that year, I think I was somewhere preaching, when they sent me an email. And my investment, the two investments I did, yielded 200 and something thousand. Then because I took that investment course, I realized that one of the investments will not be... There's money, but that first money is to draw you into it. So when I understood it, I just told the guy, I said, ah, Pastor, we can't reinvest. I said, no, 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 no. Give me the profit and give me everything back. Not doing again. You know, that's where covetousness... Yeah, just, just this one that has come home, so... Just give me everything. He said, no, man of God, this day. I said, no, no, don't. I don't need too much. It's okay. Just, just give me capital. Uh, even the registration form, I use it. Just give me everything. Did you understand that? But if I didn't have that knowledge in December, I wouldn't have made that decision. The parable of the talent is a parable of investment. There's no revelation to it. It says, make business till I come. It, it didn't say wait for the rapture. It says, while you are waiting, he said, go and do business. And you know what Jesus Christ told that guy? He says, at least you should have kept my money in the bank. At least. So the minimum level of investment God expects from you is savings. Listen to me, pastors. It's, don't say the Holy Spirit will teach you. If there is a malam that knows how to make money, humble yourself and go and sit down and say, oh God, teach me this thing. Go for financial seminars. Read financial books. Because what happens in ministry, and because of this, it has helped me a lot. One time, someone gave us some amount of money. It's quite much. Just say, Pastor, I sold this into your life. I just told my wife, this money, we won't touch it. Let's go and open a bookshop. So we, I mean, I told Daddy when the money came, we just went quickly, we opened the bookshop. And we've been running that bookshop for four years now and started collecting profits from that bookshop. That guy who gave us that money that time, he hasn't given us that kind of money again. If I have just 700,000, wow, go and buy chicken. Chicken, what is it? Buy, no, turkey, turkey has oil. Two cartons, two cartons. There's so seed, plants, plant seed everywhere. Change your wristwatch, buy iPad, buy tie. You know, you'll be, you'll be wearing that tie on a hungry stomach. You know, you're like, ah, pastor, you're not adding weight, not knowing that you are starving. And people think you are fasting. So in ministry, money comes in circles. You must understand the wisdom of Joseph. That the years of abundance is not for consumption. 
is for what? For reinvestment. So listen, as a pastor, you can meet someone today who just say, ah, pastor, you blessed my life. This is 50,000. That might be the only 50,000 you get for that person for the rest of your life. So what do you do? You just assume you didn't have that 50,000. Collect 10,000. Use 40,000. Plug back into investments. All are, let me not say all because I don't know. But most of our top ministers are mega investors. You will be the one here just doing, I, I tap it by faith. I tap into the anointing. Tap into the investment sense. Because, for instance, if I was not teaching you this, and I didn't share my testimony of, you don't, some of you don't know that I have a bookshop. Right? Some of you, I just shared the testimony of investment with you. This is one of the many investments. When we went to Kenya, an opportunity opened up. I shared it with daddy and we, we're plugging into that. Now, I'm not going to come and be telling you all of that. But you just say, that guy has an anointing for prosperity. I have an anointing for prosperity and I have the sense for prosperity. Have both. So that when the, even for church, you can do something and people just give. Keep the money. Don't think it will always be like that. Let's say you do Thanksgiving, for instance. People just give 100,000. Keep it. Plan it. Do you understand? So please read financial books. Read financial books. A lot of the books are secular, but I would not want to recommend them over the, the stuff so that people will not say I've backslided. But go get good financial books, okay? Then know your financial health. Do a, a, a basic health. How do you have resource? How much is coming to you? What do you own? Do your financial health. What is your income? Learn the basics of finances, savings, budget, investment. Understand the Joseph Selko. When big resource come, save for it. Use your faith. Use your faith. Write. What I do is, this is how I use my faith. I write out what is like our expected income, uh, no, expected expenses in a month. So I asked my wife, how much do you think can take care of this house for a month? So she says, it, I put my fuel, I put everything together. I have an amount which we use every month. So I start believing God for it. So I use my faith for that. I know some of you don't know how much your wife uses for, for food every month. You should calculate. You should know. So that if you don't know what you need, how can you believe God? Don't just go to God and say, I'm believing for money. That's vague. How much money? So I know how much we believe God for every month. We pray about it. Number one, I want to use the Kenneth Higgins principle here. Kenneth Higgins said this is what the Lord Jesus told him. Number one, name the amount. Ask God for it. Father, I need 200000 this month. This is what can cover our expenses. Number three, take authority over the spirit of darkness from holding your money. Because sometimes this money coming to you have to do with people's mind. So you have to rebuke the enemy. Okay? Release ministry angels to bring your resources to you and receive it by faith. Name the amount you want. Ask God for it. Take authority over anything holding the funds back. Release the ministry of angels and do what? Receive it by faith. The last one here, be a liberal person. Sometimes we make the mistake as pastors to just be the people who receive some of the most stingy people you ever meet in this world are pastors. Learn to also be what? Be liberal. Why? Because the Bible says, the liberal soul shall be made fat. Proverbs 11, verse 25. If there's one thing I want to leave with you today, please, go and get money books. Okay? Understand how money works on the earth. Money is not a heavenly commodity. It's an earthly what? Commodity. Study it. 
how does money work? How does investment work? You know, for me, it is even this year, I just made it a, 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 a pattern in my life now. Uh, when I came last time, you know, Pastor Francis, there were two financial books there. I just quickly bought them the last time because I'm piling up books for December. So every December, I just read about finances, check my health and everything. I've seen a lot of improvement. Carry a notebook with you. Everything you spend, write it. Even giving. I had to open an account where myself and my wife would give from. And what that helped me to do is I'm able to track my giving. Okay? I'm able to say this is who I will give to, this is who we give to, this is who we give to. So I have a giving. I call it the seed account. So percentage of our income that goes into giving goes into that account. So I give from that account so I can track. Because one of the things I learned is everybody who is wealthy knows where their money is going to. Follow the money trail. Follow the money trail. And that's one of the reasons I don't carry cash because I'm a very, I can be generous. I can carry 10,000 in my pocket now. You know, before I get home, the money is gone. This one transport, this one this, this one that, suya that you don't need. Have you bought suya before and eaten only two pieces? You say, ah, this man is not good. That's money you have just thrown away. It's not meat. So when you have those tendencies, I stab myself of cash. So even when the temptation comes, there's nothing to fulfill the temptation. Son of, <laughs> the devil comes and finds nothing in me. I don't have anything. <laughs> you know, so I don't carry cash. I mean, if I need anything, I'll just sort myself out. Okay? So you need to understand your money trail. How much did you get last month? Where did you spend it? Some of the, the problem we have is that we spend on things we shouldn't spend. Are you following what I'm saying? Spend on what is important. Then, for your family, I'll wrap up with this. For your family, please make sure, if you can, and the resources come, let there be food in your house. There's nothing like doing ministry with an angry wife and children. Buy your food bulk. If you have to go to village market to buy things, let there be food in your house. Take care of your children's school fees. Take care of the rent. Sometimes as pastors, we focus on other families at the detriment of our own family. Just because you want people to stay in the church doesn't mean you should starve your children. That's one of the things that almost turned me away from ministry. Not that my, my parents were wicked, but it's almost like they spend on everyone. Not because they don't want to spend on you, but the heart of a shepherd. Okay, so I'm very deliberate about that. I'm very deliberate about that. Sometimes you can even tell yourself, I want to give something good to my children. And please take care of your wife. Our wives make a lot of sacrifice for ministry that sometimes they can't even open their mouth because it will seem as if they are complaining. So I'll just give you this secret now. Please take care of your wife. My mentor calls it ornament. Get your wife a good phone. And she does not know how to use it. It's not about using it. You are blessing her. You are, you, do you understand? You, I, before I used to, I, I buy phones for my wife, but I used to, ah, the children will break the screen. Ah, it's a waste of money. Until my mentor said, this is ornament. You are not, he told the children of Israel, say, wear this thing as an ornament. You, you are not saying, I'm not saying now you break everyone they buy for you if you are a pastor's wife. But listen, go to the shop, buy a good phone, and just give to your wife. Okay? For those of you that are married, make sure some of our accessories are bought for. You can't be a pastor and you don't buy underwears for your wife. Just go do it. Make sure she has clothes. Make sure her hair is properly done. Don't say, Mama, no worry. One day things go better. No, no. No, don't, don't, don't let her pay the price for the ministry. There is a price, but bless her. 
it will change your finances. Take care of your wife. These women make incredible sacrifices. One day, deny yourself and your church members and say, listen, today I want to bless you. Are you okay? Come on, I said, are you okay with that? Then you also take care of yourself. When you die, the church will continue. So once in a while, you will take a break and go to a very good restaurant that is expensive. You understand? Where the bottle of Coke is 500. You know, sit down. Let that AC, you know, there's a way the AC in those places blow. Let that AC blow you and your wife. Don't, don't rush. Don't rush the food. Don't rush the food. Sit. Order gently. Pull your slippers like this place. We are not going today. We will die here. <laughs> and, and sit down and eat. Don't, don't rush your food. Nobody's driving you. If they, if they have newspaper, ask them to bring that, that you want to read papers. And then eat. You see, it, is, it will deal with the spirit of poverty. Because sometimes you are so self-sacrificing, you think you don't deserve. So eat properly with your wife and your children. Then they will know that this wilderness we are going through, one day we will get to Canaan. Show them a picture of Canaan. Are you following what I'm saying? Even the children of Israel, God says, go and bring the grapes. Let your family test the grapes of Canaan. Even you, some of you have not tested. Test the grapes of Canaan. Change your shoe. We know you are suffering for Jesus. But you are also an ambassador of a kingdom. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're a minister, you reach people, you do outreaches with your phone. Get a good phone. I remember the first time I bought a phone that was pretty expensive. It was almost like I was feeling guilty. Souls are dying. But I now told myself that it is this one that will reach souls. Not that when they are calling you for church account number, the phone now goes off. But before they die you again, the guy will say, let me send it to this person. Before you put battery and rubber band, money has gone. No, just take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. All right? <laughs> just take care of yourself, Okay? So it, it, you deserve to be well taken care of. Don't let the struggles you're going through infuse in you the spirit of poverty. Deal with it. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.